Hi, I'm Connor. And I'm Jeremy. We're the hosts of an upcoming limited series, The Legend of Zelda Games Club, on patreon.com slash superNPCradio. We love the Zelda series to heart pieces. So throughout the year, we'll be covering the mainline Zelda games starting in April, running all the way through November. Subscribers at the $10 DJ Toad tier over at patreon.com slash superNPCradio will get an episode twice a month with some of the best Zoras, Hillians, and Dekus around. Not only are we covering the entire mainline series, but we'll also be going over or other Zelda topics along the way. That naughty little tingle might even sneak an episode for free every now and then. We can't stop him. We've tried. Want a deep dive on the hookshot? It's coming. Fascinated by Zelda clones? We're covering them. Always dreamed of a Zelda space solace? Well now, my Goron brother, it's happening. Check us out at patreon.com slash supernpcradio and subscribe at the $10 DJ Toad tier. We've got a ton of fun in store this year as we explore Hyrule, Termina, Koholint Island, and more. And don't forget, it's, it's dangerous, dangerous to, to go, go alone. alone. Take, Take us! us. Welcome back to Call Me By Your Game, the podcast where I, your host, Connor McCabe, bring on a guest to talk about a video game that is special to them from their past. Uh, We'll talk as much about what made playing the game fun and memorable for our guest as we will around the context of how they fell in love with it for the first time and any special memories they might have tied to it. Um, a little bit of housekeeping up top. Uh, as if you're on social media, check us out. We're on Instagram at Call Me By Your Game Pod, and we're on Twitter at Call Me By Your Game, but just the one Y. So that's B Y O U R. Uh, there you can see what we're up to. If we have any special streams going on, you can learn about our guests each week. You can see the cool art that I make from a template every single week for the show. Um, and it's a, it's also a way to interact with us. You can let us know what you're liking about the show and uh, if you like an episode in particular. Um, if you're looking to support the show, you can, of course, rate and review us on the Apple Podcast Store. We've gotten some really nice reviews lately from some lovely people. Uh, and if your review isn't bigoted or mean-spirited, I'll even read it on the show. Uh, you can also share the show with a friend, uh, whether they love the the incredible guest we have today, whether they love the game we're talking about, or just love video games in general, because chances are if they do, there's going to be one on this list that's special to them. And lastly, as you've probably already heard an ad for it, we have a Patreon. It's at patreon.com slash supernpcradio. And if you like me, you like my opinions on games, the perspective I have, uh, and just video games in general, you're going to love what we have there. Truly, it's a bonus content every week. I think we've got like at least three bonus episodes that pop out, depending on the tier. And of course, we've got the Legend of Zelda Games Club, which is our big ticket item all year. That's it for the housekeeping. And I can now introduce our wonderful guest for the day. So please... Welcome, illustrator, script creator, and Wes Anderson wishes he could be as great as her, 
Anna Salinas, welcome to the show. Hi, so happy to be here. What an intro. Wes Anderson, fuck you. You wish you could be this good. Yeah. I and follow he, all his fan accounts on Instagram. Okay. Well, he does listen to the show. So, you know, um, if you want me to Ooh. if you want me to adjust that okay. part, I can, or we can yeah. stick with it and maybe he'll appreciate the the confident fuck you you gave him. I think so. <laughs> I just keep it in. Yeah, I think he'll find it refreshing. Okay, yeah. You know what? Uh Jeremy, if you're listening, keep in the fuck you. Um <laughs> Anna, so glad to have you here. Um, uh, we have known each other for a long time. You're going to be one of my, my oldest friends on the show. Oldest in the time of our friendship. Uh, not your age, of course. Uh, but we know each other through the Los Angeles improv community. I think we've known each other. I have a, I have a good memory and I'll tell you, we've known each other for five years. So that, that feels kind of nuts, but also it feels like it's just flown by. It does feel like it's flown by. I can't believe it's it's been that long. Yeah. But I do feel like I've then I'm like, oh, I've been in L.A. like nine years. I do feel that way. I yeah. feel it. Yeah. I'm about to I'm going to hit eight in like the second week of June. And Ooh. that feels disgusting. And I'm like, wow, what have I done with my life? Not enough. <laughs> a um, ton. A ton. Oh, thank you. Uh, we've been on a handful of improv teams together. Of course, the mm-hmm. indie scene, they're going to know. The interns, uh, host of <laughs> Tuesday Night Thunder, um, a show of which uh, you no longer host, but also, I haven't told you this, but I'm no longer going to host when it comes back. Oh, really? Yeah. Who's, who's taking it over? It's still going to be, Jess and Sam are still there, and then um, I believe uh, the rest of the crew who was around. I don't know if July is going to be back, but yeah, like we invited everyone, like Loring Griggs, Claudio. I think is going to be a part of it, and then they're looking for a few <gasps> more people. Um, but well, that's kind of cool. Yeah, I mean, you know, you're moving on, but also that they're still running that show, which I will say, the LA indie improv scene may not be globally recognized, but that show was what the longest running indie improv show in Los Angeles? It was. And I think this summer would make it like, I think 14 years, which is crazy. That's so insane. Old. And, and we ran it for two and a half or so. Um, but yeah, <laughs> yeah, it was one of those things where I was like, I was ready to move on last year before all the pandemic hit. So yeah. when it came to organizing, I was like, Hey guys, I'm ready to take a step down. Um, but yeah. So we've we've been on a bunch of teams together. Um, we're we're real friends. So we've hung out a bunch. We've uh, I've gotten to work on a, a handful of your incredible shorts that you've done. But yeah. um, I'd love for you to tell the guests a little bit about yourself. I mean, I gave them a little preview with some of with your intro there. But what do you want people to know about you? Is there anything you want to plug? Uh, hit me Ooh. with it. Well, uh, I do a comic on Instagram called Bad Comics by Anna. That's comics with an X. Uh, and Anna with two N's. I think at this point I don't have to specify that because if you even misspell Bad Comics by Anna, I think you'll probably find it. But still. It's, it's that big, know. folks. It's that big. Uh, yeah. But it is a comic, a webcomic about depression and stuff. Um, and I am also a TV writer and like, you said, Connor, I make short films and um, the show, I, one of the shows I wrote on this show, Flatbush Misdemeanor, actually premieres on Showtime this Sunday. Whoa. So yeah. that's that's amazing. So the li- listener, you're, when you're listening to this, which will be one week in the future, um, 
it will have just come out, so you get to go watch that. Wow, congrats, listener. I'm so happy for you. <laughs> it's a very grounded dramedy about two depressed dudes living in Flatbush, New York. But as uh, gritty as that sounds, it's really fun and funny. And like they cast a lot of uh, people who it's based on a web series. Like they cast a lot of people from the web series and they had like pretty much full control, creative control over it. So uh, it was cool to see like, I don't know, they, they made it a web series, a TV show. I feel like that's a myth at this point. Seriously. Like after Insecure, they were like, no, don't do it. It's not going to happen. It's saturated. It's yes. never going to work. But they did it. That's cool. A few a few, peop- few uh, talented people slipped through the cracks. That's yeah. awesome. Yeah, you're definitely a listener. Check out Bad Comics by Anna. Anna's been doing this for, I don't know, at least since I've known you, probably for like maybe a year before that. It's such a great comic. You maybe have even seen seen it online because it does have a really great presence on, on Instagram. Uh, Anna shorts are great. Anything you plug, by the way, I'm going to put in, um, in the show notes so people can just click a link to check this oh, out. Cool. Um, but, but yeah, check out Anna's stuff. It's, uh, she's really fantastic. I mean, I would never say this to her face, but she's great <laughs> and, uh, and her stuff is awesome. So check it out. Was, was there anything else that you wanted to say about yourself or anything you've been working on that you have enjoyed or is, did you get to do it? Um, Anything else? I mean, yeah, I guess I'll like my creative partner, Heather Higginbotham. Heather, love you. Is uh, uh, the person I do um, sketch stuff and film stuff. And we have a a film that you worked on. That'll come out at some point this summer, I think. Uh, Oh, yeah. And yeah. And we're John, we're called John Baxter. And uh, we also have a website called (laughs) johnbaxtercomedy.com. Oh, perfect. Awesome. Yeah. I think it gets no traffic, but we made it because it felt like, do you exist if you don't have a website? So we made that website. Wow. And uh, th- still pay whatever the hosting fee is. So <laughs> Every year. Yes. Check it out. Yeah. <laughs> I know that life. That's that's great. Well, yeah, I'll be sure to link to it. So listener, please check that stuff out. That's awesome. Um, mm-hmm. Anna, before we um, discuss your general history with video games... Uh, would you give us a quick introduction to the game we're going to be focusing on uh, later in the show? Yeah, uh, this game is called Pajama Sam. There's actually a few different Pajama Sams. Yes. Uh, like Thunder and Lightning aren't so frightening. Um, there's the Afraid of the Dark one. I think there's another one. Uh, so it's really a whole series, but they're all pretty similar. I love to the whole series. Um, awesome. It's a child computer game from, I want to say, the late 90s. Yes. Early 2000s. Yeah, yeah. from like uh, 1996 was when they made the the first <laughs> one. Um, yeah. And it's, uh, we'll get into it, but it's made by a company called Humongous Entertainment that I have a decent history with. And, okay. And there's some fun stuff to share about, you know, who who started that company and, and what they've done. And But yeah, I'm so pumped to talk to you about Pajama Sam. Um, but before we do, let's talk about your general history with video games. Uh, so do you remember ever taking like an interest in a video game, like at a young age or, and we'll try to stay away from most pajama stamp stuff just to save it. Um, but yeah, any, any early memories of games and I'd I'd love to cover your history. 
Well, I'll say this, and I don't think this is a universal female experience. Anna just took off her glasses. I don't know. This is about to get serious. <laughs> Let me uh, defog them from the heat I'm about to give out. Um, I think socially, video games were not a thing I did. Like, when I went to a friend's house, I didn't play a video game for the most part. Um, it was like, oh, we played Barbies or Beanie Babies or like sang. I was really into like musical theater hangouts, I think. Wow. <laughs> but I didn't that. really play video games. And I my parents gave me a game gear when I was little. A like Sega a, game gear? Sega game gear. Those things needed like eight batteries to run. Yeah. I had the Sonic the Hedgehog game. Wow. That might have been my only game. And I I don't even think I had a, a Game Boy after that. I just had the Game Gear. But I think I, I kind of missed the period where people got PlayStations and stuff and oh, learned yeah. how to use the console. Sure. Um, And so as time went on and some of my friends did, it turned out, play video games like that. Um, I had a friend who would play Grand Theft Auto when we were in like third grade. And <laughs> dear Lord, all we did was make them have sex. Um, it's the third graders, uh, the, the classic third grade game, Grand Theft Auto. Yeah. Uh, like you or it's it was worse than make them have sex. It was like you find a sex worker and uh, take their stuff and. Yes. For debt. This has been. But, uh, this is. Don't worry. Don't you worry. You're not the first person to broach this subject on the internet about about Grand Theft Auto. This was like a controversy about the game early on because they were. Right. You know, it was the '90s. They were like, video games are going to a rot your brain, and b well, they're going to make kids grow up and and kill yes. sex workers. You know, so. But I never played. I mean, I would just watch her play because I didn't really know how to use the console. And then even later in high school, when my friends really played video games. Um, like I tried Halo once and it was so overwhelmingly hard that I was like, I can't do this. That's a lot to give someone who doesn't play games in general, let right. alone like when Halo. So Halo is the first game to basically modernize like the what they call a twin stick shooter. You know how I'm like, yes, any, yes. even the switch you couldn't make it just you couldn't just press one button to make it go. You had to be pressing the two. Yes. Or navigating the two. Bingo. Because there was the that was which, you know, really gave you a lot more control than you used to have, like yeah. on the N64, the original PlayStation. But at the same time, that's a that's com complex and it's hard it to was. get used to. And this was like the first time of it so it's no wonder you didn't grasp it it what right um and i'm a little sad about that because i do think you know i watch edgar uh my boyfriend edgar play friend um, of the show unfortunately friend of the show he play miles morales yes and last of us and those games are so cool they look so cool to watch they're becoming movies like last of us part two i just pleasantly watched him play because it was so entertaining pleasantly watched but mostly sobbed through it i'm sure because it's yes. heart it's relentlessly heartbreaking but i will say this so all that aside computer games were a space that i did get into awesome because, you know i didn't miss the boat on computers we we were in that boat and uh from a pretty early age i Fell in love with a lot of computer games, as I'm sure we all did, you know, playing Zoom Beanies and Oregon Trail. Yes. In school. I, but 
I was yeah. going to say, I would love to get you on. I do. I re- so we do a bonus episode for this show every month that goes on our Patreon. It's called, uh, I could just, I could have just asked you this off the show, but it's called a co-op <laughs> episode where I have like a Ooh. group of us on and we talk yeah. about an impactful game to all of us. And so I want to do a Zumbinis episode because <gasps> Allie yes. Jennings loved that game and she's been on. And then yes. uh, Meg Joe also loved it. So I'd like to get the four of us on for an episode. I love that. Oof, yeah. Love Zumb- so, loves Zumbini. So good. And, and sorry to interrupt you, but I, I just had to get it out there. Oh, Since please. It's, now yes. that it's on, it's like this is going to be a published episode. You're going to be beholden to your yes. That's why I did it. Oh, I, I want to be. I am very excited for that. Okay, great. Love, love both those ladies. But I kind of wonder, this is my hypothesis, if computer games offered this secondary video game space to girls and kind of t- catered to girls. And I use that like maybe culturally girls, not yes. like gender girls. But like I, because I didn't really have access to or felt like I didn't have access to conventional video games. It, and then there was a second layer of, and the subject matter didn't interest me that much because I didn't want to play Tony Hawk I didn't want to play. Whoa, blasphemy. Yeah, Madden or something. I didn't want to play the shooter games. Yes. It just felt so male. But the computer games I played were like really girly, like Sabrina the Teenage Witch game. Yes. Um, there's the, it's I, sh- I showed you this game and I always forget what it was called. The one with the like girls clubhouse. Yes, um, yes, yes. I it's Purple Moon is the company, but I can never remember what that game was called. <laughs> but you basically just like hang out with some girls in a clubhouse, and then another one is the, of the same series. Like you hang out with some girls at school. That's lovely. Um, and they had missions. Uh, obviously, loved The Sims, but for that, just to decorate the houses and then kill the people. <laughs> but of course, yeah, there was something kind of like. Uh, that I guess that felt like a precursor to um, what is it? Second Life. Yeah, yeah, I know that where, game. Where you know it was less about the mission and more about just having an avatar and having fun in that world. Yeah, and I think that always attracted me a lot about games, uh, maybe more than the mission itself. Yeah, uh, definitely. Yeah. I feel like, look, if I were a master's student in school right now studying sociology, I, that would be an area I would be interested in. Like, Definitely. The, like just how gendered video games were. And I don't mean that as any kind of absolute because there's so many great gamer girls. But it just it feels crazy to me that like at no point in hanging out as a child did any of my friends go, hey, you want to play this video game? Yes, yeah. It was like, hey, you want to play uh, pretend with the Beanie Babies? And then and then they'll have sex. They always had sex. Any pretend imagination <laughs> game, they always end up having sex. You inevitably get to that point and there's yeah. nothing you can do to stop it. Yeah, exactly. That's, um, that's very interesting. I think that also makes a lot of sense, especially based on, you know, when we – grew up it was the mid to late 90s and early 2000s especially the 90s feel like such a gendered time especially like when i think of like ad campaigns back then specifically for video games it was like 
the Nintendo's whole thing, and you would probably think of them as the family game company, was play it loud. Sega's was like, we're badass, we're better, we're like stronger than Nintendo, we're faster. So it was all just this like sort of like aggro um, yes. facing marketing for the most part. And so that You're doesn't right. surprise me that it would have led to exactly what we're talking about. Yeah, toys and toy ads were peak gendered at that time. Definitely. I mean, I wanted an easy bake oven more than any toy. And my parents never got it for me, not because they cared that it was gendered. I think they were just like, that's a little too fancy. You have your dolls. You're good. Um, yeah, I that that's interesting. And I think it's different now, right? Like if I were a, a, that's a good question. eight-year-old today, I'd be like, Miles Morales, hell yeah, I saw Spider-Verse and loved it. I want that game. Yeah, I feel like it probably is based on like the limited amount of stuff I've seen online about like people posting about their kids, like, li- you know, little girls dressed up as Superman or mm-hmm. or what have you. That's like just an easy example to think of. But I think part of it is like because I'm nowhere near the point of having kids, I don't even see that marketing or advertising. It doesn't <laughs> yeah. come to me. So I'm like, That's I don't true. know what it's like. It's hard yeah. to say. That's true. I, and also there's like a part of it that's also just a cash grab. It's like the video gaming industry realized um, they were leaving money on the table by not marketing to girls. So it was like, yeah, of course. You mean it wasn't like an authentically <laughs> good natured uh, uh, positioning by them? Um, yeah, that I checks know, out. I um, know. That's that's really cool. Did So you, uh, you played computer games as a kid. Did you... Um, was there a point where you kind of stopped playing computer games and then uh, ever came back? Was there like, did you yeah. have any other games in your life that you played? Uh, yeah. You know, I think the transition happened in middle school because I, when I had my, yeah, I guess it's, I've never thought about this before, but I think around middle school, I started to ease off um, video or computer games. I, think I was probably still playing The Sims at that time. Mm-hmm. Nice. But I started to get more into another side of computer life, which was the internet. Oh, nice. So, like, rather than spending five hours playing a game on my computer, I spent five hours decorating my MySpace. Yes. And, like... <laughs> My live journal. And also we like had to learn HTML back then because you couldn't, there were no presets. So part of that was like looking up HTML codes Mm -hmm. uh, and learning how to format like color and fonts. And (laughs) I think I got, I got really sucked into that. Nice. Um, And message boards or like chat rooms and, and aim. That's awesome. Did you ever go on websites like uh, like Albino Black Sheep or Ebombs World that yeah. had like videos and stuff yeah, on them? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's yeah, of that like, same sort of early totally. like junior, late junior high for us, early high school. So that's interesting. Yeah. What is that like? Two thousand four. Yes. <laughs> right around yeah. that time, where it still still felt sort of like the wild west at that point like there it was bigger than it used to be but it was like you still had to know how to find stuff because google really wasn't this is we're really dating ourselves here but like google still wasn't like what we know today where that's where you start your search for anything google was not a very effective search engine no you could kind of use 
Yahoo search or like Bing, I feel like, or Ask Jeeves. Because before oh, Google, yeah. it was Ask Jeeves. You oh, yeah. kind of use it all interchangeably and you wouldn't get great results. Yes. <laughs> um, you just had to like know or know someone who knew a website like those. Yes. You you went straight to the website a lot of the time. You're like, E-Bombs World. I'm just going to go straight to E-Bombs totally. World. That's cool. Um, I was curious if you had stumbled upon any of that stuff. Nice. Yeah. You know, now in hindsight, I can look at it and see like, oh, the thing that appealed to me about video games was like decorating. Yeah. Like decorating and building. And it wasn't so much the competition element. That makes sense. Yeah. Um. I feel like we're seeing that in you. I mean, that transition you just gave us to like MySpace and LiveJournal is that's you were doing that same thing there just in more of like a maybe like a public facing space about yourself sort of thing. Yeah, I think so. I think so. And yeah, I want to like say it was creative. But I don't think it, that's the case. I really it was don't. expressive I think for it sure. Was expressive. I think I. it was like my anxiety. Some people for their anxiety play video games like Edgar plays video games when he's anxious. Uh-huh. For me, when I'm anxious, I'm like, no, I need to do something very pleasant <laughs> with no yes. stress, like uh, decorate a MySpace with a new theme and pick a new song that goes with everything. <laughs> yeah, that's really cool. Um, I, if there's, if there happens to be any, you know, if you ever came back to any impactful games or any random ones that you, you know, played up until this point in your life, please let me know. But I also, I do remember it's been fun to play. We've played some Mario party together before, yes, which has been fun, which like, I think we, I texted you too when this dropped, but a few weeks ago, Nintendo released a patch to mario party where they're finally two and a half years after the game comes out you can play the full thing online you know like a year after the pandemic started so that was annoying All last year we would have needed that seriously in fact we didn't play it specifically because we couldn't do that version it was so frustrating how in the age of lockdown there were so few online games that you could play in that setting where it was like two people here two people in this house and we're gonna zoom yes and yeah. Jackbox fucking killed the market. They were the only ones yes. who really figured it out. And, I didn't and they even, didn't even figure it out. We figured out how to use it. It's like, true. And mute it while one person has it on their screen. Yes. And I didn't even play that till it was in person with you all after I was vaccinated. <laughs> anyway, like a couple <laughs> months ago. So. Oh, my God. That's gosh. true. Um, you played that. And you also yeah. definitely had some uh, time with Animal Crossing last year. Did you want to talk about that at all? Yeah, so I kind of have swore off video games in college. I played Rainbow Road a little high, but was like, you know what? This isn't for me. And then I didn't really interact with video games until I started dating Edgar, Mm -hmm. who is he plays more video games than anyone I've ever met in my life. He plays it in the morning. He plays it all afternoon into the evening. He plays it all day on the weekends. Like, like still manages dream. to have a career and I guess yeah. work. But I'm hearing that because I don't play video games that much, but I don't even have a career. So I'm like, what is he doing? I need to figure this out. He plays so much. Maybe and I should just play more games. <laughs> the thing he has sacrificed, I think, is TV. So I watch a ton oh. of TV. He's not really watching a ton of TV. But he's... Uh, He's just playing all the time. And at first, and I, I kind of knew it before we lived together, but then we moved in together at the start of pandemic. Yes. So it was like, 
not only were we living together for the first time, but he was also playing more video games Mm -hmm. because there was nothing to do. Yes. So I just like watched a lot of gameplay. Uh, Yes. (laughs) More than I have ever watched in my life. And that's how I now know Last of Us Part Two like pretty well. Yeah. I watched him beat the game in like three days. Um, but then he gets a switch. He gets a yes. switch when everyone was getting one in lockdown. And he was like, Anna, I think you're going to like this game I heard about. It's called Animal Crossing. Oh. And I was like, no, I hate video games. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry. I, I don't mean to let you down because I know it, it lets you down that I don't like them. He tried to get me into Last of Us Part One and I, I didn't really like it. So like. I was like, I'm so sorry. I'm just not going to get into it. And he's like, okay, well, I bought it. So check it out. Yeah. So I start playing and I fall in love. (laughs) Because lo and behold, all you do is fucking decorate your house. Yes. And they're playing pleasant music. And like everyone's a furry woodland creature. You can't (laughs) lose. You can't win. You just keep on chugging. Yeah. Um, And I I fell really deep down that rabbit hole. Um, And that kind of made me realize I've been, you know, I think I've been a little unfairly closed off to video games. And honestly, that's I was just waiting. In fact, the whole audience is here right now. We've been waiting for you to say that. And I got to say, it feels good. Yeah, I think I I. I wrote off video games not realizing just how much the video game industry has like evolved and exploded and definitely so full of all these different things. Yeah, it really is. uh, It's very interesting to see how it has as someone who's been around since I was a kid in the video games uh, sphere, at least somewhat. Yeah, there's so many different options. There's games for all sorts of people. There's like dating simulators out there that could be fun. Whoa. Uh, yeah, that they get really wacky sometimes depending on the game. Um, so that's really cool. And yeah, it was fun to, you know, I don't I think we went to each other's island maybe like once, but I, I dropped off pretty quick. But yeah. that was, uh, I was like, oh, Anna got swept up in the cultural phenomenon. That's really cool. Did you, um, yeah. what was your, do you remember what your island is called? And do you still ever go back? So because Edgar bought it and set it up, he named the island Walden. Okay. And I didn't realize, like, I just made an avatar for myself and started playing on the island. But I didn't realize oh. that, like, it was his island and he's the lead character on it. So I got stuck at a certain point. Yes. And then just straight and finally realized I was like, oh, I'm stuck because I'm not playing as the lead character. So then I started playing as Edgar. So I just like full on for like <laughs> yes. the most of the last year have been playing as Edgar. That's amazing. Uh, who looks his avatar looks like him uh, and playing on his island Walden. That's great. It's that is yeah. actually something about the game that is it's frustrating to me that they did. I, I th- honestly I th- I believe it was Nintendo making having that feature be the way it is so that they could sell more consoles so that people be like well i need to get my own switch and to get my own animal crossing i think so too it has to be um yeah and i love nintendo's games uh but their business practices can be quite uh unfriendly to the consumer like that so yeah i don't like that stuff this is gonna sound so sexist and gendered but i know two other ladies in a couple 
whose boyfriend got the Switch and got Animal Crossing. Yes. And they then started to play it, but had the same problem where they were not playing as the lead character. Yep. Yep. So I know I a lot step. of people who've experienced that too. Yeah. Uh, that's so interesting. Um, fair to assume that's like the most recent game you've really given any time to? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, cool. Well, hey, thank you for sharing about your your game history. It's pretty, pretty unique compared to a lot of the ones that we hear on the show. Um, so thank you so much. Uh, what we're going to do now is we're going to take mm-hmm. a quick break, and then we'll come back and we'll finally talk about Pajama Sam. So, Anna, I'll <laughs> see you on the other side. Woo! Hello, my name is Jeremy Schmidt and I host a podcast called Video Games, a comedy show. We pretend like we are morning radio DJs within the Mushroom Kingdom for exactly five minutes per episode before dropping it all together. We cover topics like our favorite video games to take on vacation, the birthday roast of Mario, favorite Desert Island PS2 games, and infinity more episodes. If you like to hold a controller and are prone to laughter, well then Buster, I've got hours of stuff for you. Check out Video Games, a comedy show anywhere podcast can be found. Welcome back to Call Me By Your Game. Of course, here to discuss Pajama Sam, No Need to Hide When It's Dark Outside with Anna Salinas. Anna, welcome back. Hi, so happy to be back. Uh, really enjoyed that break. What a great break it was. Uh, I'm sure they heard yeah. an ad for Jeremy's show, Video Games a Comedy Show. That's my guess. Um, who, who the heck knows? Uh, so what we're going to do as I told you before the show, is before we dive into your personal experience, I'm going to give the listener um, some history and context based on the first game of this in the series, uh, and then uh, we'll move on. If you want to interject at any time, like I said, feel free. Cool. But here we go. Pajama Sam, No Need to Hide When It's Dark Outside, a.k.a. Pajama Sam 1, is a 1996 children's adventure game originally released for PC and Mac. It's the first game in the in the Pajama Sam franchise and sold nearly 3 million units and won 50 awards. Uh, it was first released on August 8th, 1996. Uh, this game was originally previewed at E3 1996, and that's the uh, Electronic uh, Entertainment Expo, which they hold every, like, June-ish Um which they actually canceled last year because of the pandemic. They're going to still. I know you're really hyped for E3, <laughs> Anna. It's coming yeah, up in less than I'm a month. People are starting. Uh, and it's this big thing where they announce new games that are coming out. They might announce a system. They do all these previews, all these press events. It's a huge thing at the convention center. But anyway, this was a part of the one in 1996, uh, early on in E3. Um, and when the game was actually released, uh, it received general acclaim, receiving high scores from many games media outlets like IGN and Game Rankings, uh, and the game would spawn three sequels, with the last being released in 2003. Pajama Sam was one of the best-known releases by publisher Humongous Entertainment, also known for their Backyard Sports series. Um, do you know, You and you may or may not know, it, you, you might because of the art style, but... 
Uh, did you play any other games by Humongous Entertainment? Like, have you heard of Putt Putt Saves the Putt Putt, who's like a car? Yeah, I've heard of Putt Putt Saves the Day. I think I played that. Yeah, he saves a zoo in one. There's a Spy Fox. There's oh, I used to play Freddy Putt Putt Fish. Saves the Day. Right, I used to play Freddy Fish. Putt yes. Putt, you, you could choose his color. Yeah. And like get him spray painted. Right, Freddy Fish. Wow, I had no idea that I played more games in this company. I love it. Yeah, they're so they um, are also the publishers and developers of one of my favorite series. It's called Backyard Sports. And basically, it's a really charming, uh, like point and click sports series, also for the computer, starring these, like, just these character, these kid characters they made up. But I really loved it growing up. I mean, the listeners heard me talk about this a million times, but um, they eventually like added pro players from the sport as kids. Whoa. So like in two, th- they came out with uh, Backyard Baseball 2001 and it had like all the best pros as little kids. And I it was just like everything I could have wanted. But oh, cool. um, so Saint, there was just a different branch of this company, but they did a lot of really great things. Um, Pajama Sam was produced and directed by legendary game designer Ron Gilbert, who also helmed the beginning of the Monkey Island series. Um, and so he's just this incredibly famous uh, adventure game designer. It And he started Humongous Sports, or excuse me, Humongous Entertainment as well. So uh, it was cool to see him transi- transition to kids' games and still make games that were really good. Um, and the last thing I had to add was that uh, it, he actually created like a uh, a game engine for his games called the Scum Engine, which was just like the way you could like click around and choose an item and interact with your environment. Uh, yeah, so he did a lot. Um, wow. Yeah. Uh, Anna, is there anything else about the history and context that you felt like adding? Um. I don't think so. I think that was pretty comprehensive. Okay. Learned Just wanted to make sure. Yeah. Um, so why don't we get into it? I, I can't remember if you said when we were going over your game history, but do you remember how this game came into your life? I do. Oh, take so, us down the road. My brother's name, my little brother's name is Sam. Sam. He's uh, you- <laughs> eight years younger than me. <laughs> I'm just now putting this together, having known your brother. <laughs> His name is Sam, and my mom bought him. I had been, now I know, I had been playing other games in this uh, company. So I had been playing, I think, Putt-Putt and Freddy Fish. And she bought Pajama Sam kind of for him. But yes. he was too young to play a vid or a computer game at that time. I don't know. He but must it had his like name in it, so she had four. to get it. Right, so she had to get it. <laughs> and what ended up, and I think I was like a little too old even for it. Uh-huh. I remember feeling like, oh, this is for babies, but I'm playing it. So maybe it was like 10. <laughs> and um, I started playing it and immediately loved it. Um, Sam is this little blue boy who's just really spunky. And uh-huh. it's, it's like a very magical game where it's like, trees talk and uh and 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 like many computer games it goes from sort of one puzzle thing to Mm. another puzzle thing yes not but you know as a kid i didn't put that together i was like "Ooh, we're going from this fun world to this fun world um and it was just very pleasant and cute and uh he's wearing pajamas obviously Mm -hmm. and 
so my brother never got into it because he was too young, but I became obsessed and my mom became obsessed. Interesting. We, um, my mom's Swedish and we go to, we would go to Sweden every summer and we didn't have internet for a long time because like Sweden was also really slow at the internet. So this was when I was like 10, 11 there would just be nothing to do because there was no internet, which sounds lame now. It's like, there's, go outside, but we wouldn't go outside. We would just play this computer game. When you, you know, would go CD to Sweden. ROM. Yeah. Incredible. And so whole days would pass where one of us was just playing Pajama Sam until we beat it, which took way too long at that age. Like, I truly got stumped by this game. That's so interesting to hear not that you got stumped but that like how much time you put into it because i think that's also consistent with a lot of people's experience and these you know these games aren't supposed to be over in a gif you're supposed to especially the first time you play through a lot of like adventure games you don't know the solution to the puzzles or what item you're supposed to use that you've picked up in this specific spot so that's pretty normal that's pretty normal normal cool experience i love that yeah and i'll say this about the appeal I have always really loved the idea that hiding through a trapdoor in your house is a magical world. Yes. Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. Uh, I think Harry Potter, to some extent, really, you know, uh, captures this fantasy. Uh-huh. Just that there's like, right over here, there's this whole magical world. Yes. And Sabrina, you know, going through the uh, linen closet in the TV show. And I think uh, Pajama Sam felt like that, where he always starts at home. He's afraid of something or doesn't want to do something as a kid, like a very little kid thing. Totally. And then winds up on this adventure where everything like uh, everything can talk and everything's magical and mystical and guiding him along this path. And everyone's kind of sassy. That was just very fun. That's awesome. Yeah. It's also very interesting to hear uh, that your mom also really like got <laughs> yeah. obsessed with this game and had fun playing it because uh, I'm so a little preview for you, Anna, is that mm-hmm. I have a fact me by your game segment, which will be one of the two post show segments that I'm going to share a couple fun facts about this game with you um, okay. from an interview from a, one of these facts that I f- that I sourced, which I won't share this it now. In the interview, series creator Ron Gilbert said that he knew that the humongous entertainment these games were going to succeed with kids because when the he said specifically when the kid parents would put their kids to sleep, the parents would play these games. Whoa! So, so it was something that you know like would appeal to more people than the age range they were specifically aiming for, which is probably elementary school. Um, through like er, like maybe early middle school, but yeah, it, it, it not only did that, but like it wouldn't be too. I don't know how to say this. It wouldn't be like too dumbed down to where like it's not fun for an adult to sit with their kid and play. It probably made them think like, I want to see what's next. Right, the puzzles yeah. were a little tricky. The tone even Definitely. felt a little adult because like I think I think it's like Shrek where there were jokes that I probably didn't get as a kid. Um, of course. Yes. And I think Animal Crossing even kind of speaks to that because Animal Crossing is a kid's game. But yes, there's something definitely. about it that it's like tricky enough or something that it is really fun to play as an adult. Yeah. 
Um, also, I would be remiss if I didn't point out to you, I'm sure you already know, but today that uh-huh. we're recording this is the 20th anniversary <gasps> of Shrek debuting Whoa. in theaters. Yeah. Oh my God, that's why it's on my mind. So happy Shrekking. Yeah, happy um, Shrek. I don't even know where the hell you would watch that online, but I'm sure it's somewhere. I can't believe it's the 20th anniversary. I know. Oh my God, I, I'm so old. <laughs> I, oh, me too. I Not to take us too off track, but I remember when that movie came out because I, I, sp- I have this vi- vivid memory because they used a couple Smash Mouth songs in that a soundtrack. Couple. Oh, um, sure. Uh, at least maybe it was just the one, but I'm imagining there were a couple yeah. Um, and I had a crush on this girl in fifth grade and I would like <laughs> listen to the, and I'm a believer song and like, ima- like, like not like role play, sort of like a music video of like, you know, being the cool guy and her thinking you're cool. So mm-hmm. I'm, uh, doing my favorite thing on the show, which is making it about me. Um, oh, please, but, please uh, do. but I just wanted to say happy, uh, Shrek anniversary to you, Anna. Happy um, Shrek anniversary. Uh, yeah, this, this game. So his, uh, I would love to, I'm going to send you some links at some point, even if I don't remember today to the monkey Island series, which was, which was, um, one of the first series that Ron Gilbert, the the creator and, you know, director of this game ever did. And it's incredibly funny, incredibly clever. I'm talking like early nineties, like really archaic looking point and click adventure, but it is just so – I think it would be right up your alley, and it's no surprise to me that this game and the and the, this seer, this I guess this whole company of games were successful because he always had that in mind when making those games. So it's just yeah. – all that to I'm, – I'm pontificating a little bit here. It's just cool to hear that like that found its way into these games because I didn't have a ton of experience with like anything besides sports series. Yeah, yeah, that's so interesting. Even I, I looked up Google, imaged it. It looks like the kind of game I would want to play. Yes, and looks like an I, adventure game. <laughs> it's it's a great one. It also like I I tried it for the first time last summer. I was playing it in a web browser, and it took me a while to really get the hang of it and even understand how to play. So there's some real challenge Wait, so you to it. But played it. How did you play it? I found a web browser. Old... Okay. So there's like web browsers on like our web pages on the internet that you can play old games on. So I need to, oh. I, I found Zumbinis too. <gasps> I need to send that to you. Whoa. Um, yeah. So you can yeah, like play I'm these games. Like really interested in doing this now. Yes. Um, okay. I'm going to try to old <laughs> late nineties games. I It's really fun. I, I want to try to find that to send to you. The, I got pretty far, but then one day, like, my computer crashed, so, like, the web browser closed. So, hey, Petey. That's Petey for the for the listener. That's um, Petey. I bet Edgar got home or something. Um, I'm sure. She's so, so attentive. I can see her little ears flopped over like it does. Um, I wanted to ask you, uh, since we've gotten to really dive into, like, what you loved about the series, I'll probably bug you more about that, too. Um I would love to know where your computer was set up at home uh, and maybe even hear about where it was in uh, your little setup in Sweden too, just because I love yeah. knowing like, was it like in a den, an office? Was it like in your yeah. living room? Well, um, our first computer in 1997 or maybe six, I think seven, it was a, a big ass Mac, tiny okay. screen, but big, 
everything else was big. Yes. Um, yeah, we were early adopters of Apple. Or I guess it was a Macintosh. Mm-hmm. And that was in the the office, which was like eventually would become my sister's room. Okay. Before she was born, that was the office. And uh, it was more my mom's computer, but I played my computer games on there. And then I got an iMac, the old kind. Oh, cool. The blue, like a blue one. Yes. Well, like where the... Are you talking about the ones where like they had like a cool translucent color on them? Yes. Oh, nice. Those always look so cool. Oh, yeah. Um, So I had one of those in my room and that was probably a mistake on my parents end to let me have a computer in my room because I definitely like were just on it all the time on it all the time discovered inappropriate sites very young. I'm so entertained by watching uh, Edgar right now. <laughs> he came yes. in and didn't take her. He he was just he was having a, having fun doing that. That's Most half-assed. I feel like that's just like a rite of passage though, and and you know of course yeah it's like maybe from the parents' perspective yeah not great but like you were gonna they do that know. anyway. They didn't. They legitimately had no idea what the risks of the internet were because the internet had just been created at that time and awesome. was slow it was like you know it was it was such early days totally. but that is when i really got into computer games too because okay it was right there um and then uh my mom got a laptop at some point and i feel like this was early days of laptops where like people didn't really have laptops so she got a Macintosh yes. laptop. Oh, wow. Which may well have been actually one of those early iBooks with the blue. Mm-hmm. And that is what we played in Sweden. So we would bring the one laptop and sort of take turns. Oh, that's fun. Did you, like, I yeah. would have played it on the plane too. Or were you not op- allowed to open a computer back then? I remember there was like weird electronics laws on like, yeah, or regulations I, on planes. I don't think she did. I think it was even before... Like the idea of using a computer on a plane made sense because I I remember during that time it was like when we wrote when we were on the plane, it was like you watch the movie that they have on the big projector screen at the front. And if you don't want to do that, then you can read a book. And those were the two options. And it was like Saving Private Ryan on the big screen that everybody's watching at the same time or read your book. Just throwing um, a very violent rated R film up <laughs> up there. Yeah, yeah, for That's real. so funny. Of course, flying from Florida to Sweden, so thankfully it wasn't like California. That would have been a much longer, exactly. brutal trek, but still I I'm mean, sure. It, it was a long, that was a long flight. It does feel a little, it makes me feel like old and grisly to think about us as like the the early adopters as a generation of the internet and kind of computers. Definitely. Like we were the first to grow up with computers. Yes. I feel like, so I don't know if you saw or she talked to you, but I had Shireen on a few weeks ago. And uh, I think this was who I talked about it with, but I believe Shireen mentioned something about us being the first generation to, you know, grow up without that stuff. And mm-hmm. then now, and then like grow up with it, or like when when we were first kids, it wasn't around. And then it was around when we were kids, so we were the first to sort of adopt it and just know it as like another language. 
And now we're the ones to see the world with it, like just being a part of every child's life as soon as they're born. So we've sort of lived in this weird space, like this weird in between space, uh, which is probably why, you know, in our brains, we think our generation's so special. (laughs) Um, (laughs) uh, But, you know, I'm sure every generation has their reasons, but yeah, it's just, that is such an interesting uh, thing that you brought up. So I wanted to share that. We were the transition. That's so true. Like we know a time before phones and Mm -hmm. computers. That's just, that's crazy to me. Yeah. I mean, and you know, I'm sure there's other significant points in history where, uh, you know, an impactful technology or something has come along, but I, yeah, yes. But I would honestly, you know, just to back up how special we are, I would venture (laughs) to guess that like the way that all that technology and the information age has shaped our world. I feel like we, it, it almost feels like exponentially more impactful and crazier because it feels like so much has advanced yeah. since the we internet have grown up. was it i mean the internet was the game changer we got early internet but now it's gonna i think it's gonna keep being exponential too i think so like now babies use ipads yes and what is the next one it's crazy i mean when we were kids they were barely had cell phones and they were just buttons and maybe mm-hmm. like a pager looking screen on old Nokia's. And now we have like an entire supercomputer on our, we sound, I probably sound so old even talking about <laughs> this, but it just, it's kind of nuts to think about. You got to do snake at some point. Oh on this yes. Podcast. Ooh, that's a great, oh, that's a great idea. Never yeah. forget snake. Um, uh, this is, this has been so much fun. Um, uh, is there, uh, do you have any like specific, memories around when you were playing this game or like anything that was going on in your life that you might remember that you want to share about from from like this time i know it's sort of general because you played this for a while but if there's anything Um, that sticks out i'd love to hear about it oh gosh i remember you know i remember getting so stuck yeah like um this is this is actually the Thunder and Lightning game. Oh, okay. But there was, which is like the second one, there was this part where you get to the factory where they make um they make lightning. Uh-huh. This, this is like where <laughs> they so make funny. the thunder and the lightning. <laughs> and you have to solve this puzzle. And like I wasn't that young, but I remember just being so stumped and like how? How do I do this? Yes. And I didn't give up. And I wish I had that perseverance today because there was something (laughs) about that. Like now when I'm playing a game and it's too hard, like even a thing on Animal Crossing, I'm just like, I'm done. No, thank you. Totally. Like I just have no patience for that. Or if like something breaks in my technology, I'm like, well, I don't know. It's over. Yeah. Well, Um, you also, I think, you know, now we have so much, so many more things to enjoy or be distracted by and there's also like an easy solution as adults to like just paying for something to be new or fixed so yeah yeah, i mean as i think about the same thing about myself as a kid specifically playing games and i'm like how did i figure this out and it's like oh you just beat your head against the wall you just do because it's all you had yeah yeah that's really interesting um but yeah i mean that's 
I wish I had a more specific example, but really what sticks in my head is like sitting in our kitchen in Sweden and watching my mom play Pajama Sam. This game clearly designed for seven-year-olds, and I was like, this is okay. It's okay that I play it. That's like, awesome. Yeah, like, well, this adult's grown-ups. doing it so, it, so I shouldn't. I don't feel weird. Yeah, I don't have to feel um, embarrassed. I would love, if you ever talk to her about this game, I would love to hear what she has to say at some point. Oh my uh, god, I'm I, I'm going to the next time I talk to her, I'm going to ask her because she bought it. She's the one who bought it. That's so funny. I I remember these games would come in these big boxes from like we got them from Costco, but they'd be these big white like not cereal box size, but like kind of big. Mm-hmm. And then they would come with the little CD ROM case. But I loved yes. looking at the art. It was always so cool. All that for a CD ROM. Yeah, really. CD ROMs. That's nuts. Um. Awesome. Well, so I feel like we've gotten to talk about so many fun things, both yeah. in the context and, and the game that you loved. But before we move on to uh, to the fun post-show segments that I've got for for you, mm-hmm. uh, would you mind wrapping up your you know your feelings about this game and and maybe what it what it means to you looking back all these years later? Yeah, I think I I think that game really captured my imagination and. It was about the puzzles, but like Mist was a puzzle game that I fucking got so bored by because it was so <laughs> sterile. Yeah. You know, <laughs> just empty rooms in a mansion. But there was something so um, friendly about Pajama Sam, just like the fact that anything could talk to you and was such a character. Yeah. That uh, I really appreciate that sense of play. And Pajama Sam. As an icon, look, I, I complained about how, like, male all these games felt. Sure. Pajama Sam was a boy. There was something about him that felt like he could be anyone. Totally. He, 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 he was a girl. He was a boy. He was whatever. And um, Sam is sort of like, a, you know, it can be gender yeah. neutral or either of the traditional gender names. So Right. It felt so accessible <laughs> in that respect. So, um I'm going to go see if I can find this game after this podcast and play it through I, this web browser situation you and, you speak of. And even if you, that doesn't work, I I use a specific program to play the backyard to play like backyard baseball. So, uh-huh. I'm pretty sure you can do the same thing, so I'll send you a have Please me remind do. me to send you a link because yeah. I think you should be able to do it on, on your on your laptop. Yeah, I feel like I'd get what I get out of Animal Crossing. That's I think all, you would have a I'm lot of fun. That's on Animal Crossing. <laughs> yes. That high from my childhood playing computer games. I feel like we're all chasing that Pajama Sam high if we're being honest with ourselves. Yeah. Um. Well, well, thank you, Anna, so much for sharing about, uh, you know, your experience with this game. That was that was wonderful. Uh, before we go, I'll go ahead and lead us into our uh, two fun uh, post-show segments. The Ooh. first of which I already I sort of hinted at earlier is the Fact Me Buy Your Game segment. And this is just mm-hmm. where... I share a couple fun facts with my guest about the game. So this first one, um, this I learned on Wikipedia, just looking at the general article for this game. Uh, the, the What I'm going to title this one is Bobby Hill Lives. So Pajama Sam, obviously, okay. who's a little boy who can't sleep due to a fear of the dark that fills his room, is voiced by the same voice actor who voiced Bobby Hill from <gasps> King of the Hill, which do you know who that is? Yes. 
Are you kidding me? Yes, uh, writer and actor Pamela Adlon. Holy shit. (laughs) Mind blown. Oh my God, I can hear it now too. Yes. Whoa, that's so cool. Oh my God, dude. I hope one day I see Pamela Adlon at a party or something and I can be like, hey, your best work was Pajama Sam. (laughs) I want that to happen so bad. You'll probably work on a show of hers at some point and you'll get to do that anyway. So that's incredible. She, and obviously she did, I didn't know she did Bobby Hill from King of the Hill. I've actually not really watched that show, but I'd like to. Um, uh, But she- Holds up. That's what I've heard. And she has, you know, she ended up having like in, she was a child actor, but sort of her like, uh, late adolescence through like twenties, she was mostly doing voice acting, and this was one of her roles. Wow! Wow! Yeah. That's. I mean, you're blowing my mind. Okay, it's nuts. that's a good fact. Hey, thank you so much. I was hoping you didn't know, and I'm so glad you didn't. Yeah. Um, that's the first one. The second and final fact I have for you is titled "Pumpkin Heads Unite." So, okay. way back at E3 1996, which I referenced earlier, it was noted by a writer. For mm-hmm. Computer Games Strategy Plus, which I think was like a, a website or a publication that talked about computer games, yeah. um, the a writer noted that the character of Pajama Sam was actually conceived as a pumpkin instead <gasps> of a little boy. Um, and the, what he quotes from what he originally saw to the what he what was revealed was Sam underwent chain design changes and now sports a, what he calls a realistic green head um, from. Uh, there's a really great, uh, where, okay. So there's a website called night drive studios, which is where I found that Ron Gilbert quote about the parents playing these games Uh in the same interview. He says that the original pumpkin character design was later ref was, that was changed was later referenced in the third game in the series where Sam has to wear a hollowed out jack-o'-lantern on over his head to enter this restricted area. I know Um, what, I know what scene you're talking about. Really? I remember when you said pumpkin head, I was like. That does sound familiar. I remember where he wears the pumpkin. Oh, that's wow. so funny. What a cute little ode. Wow. Yeah. I feel like this is such a treat for me. You're really, you're hitting all the hits right now. Oh, I'm so glad. That's that's the goal. Um, but yeah, this was just, this. it's a really great interview with him about like all of these humongous entertainment games. So if you, I'm sure if you Google Ron Gilbert uh, website night, Drive Studios. It might be Night Dive. You you should be able to find it. Um, right. That is the end of the Fact Me By Your Game segment, and I will go ahead and lead us right into the game recommendations segment. Now, Anna, just in case you're not familiar, this is my one forced tie-in to the movie Call Me By Your Name, uh, <laughs> you know, which is based, my this show's based on that name. Um, so I'm going to base, uh, I'm going to treat all of these recommendations as um, based on your what I will perceive as your romantic summer love, your passionate summer love with Pajama Sam, and mm-hmm. these are going to be recommendations for new loves for you, for new games. Um, okay. Because I found my – have you seen Call Me By Your Name? Yeah. At the end of that movie oh, – how could I forget? You're a learned uh, cinema cinema. To freak. be honest, I never finished it, which I okay. feel a little guilty about. I think I've seen most of it, but – you know, we had you left off. We had you off the hook, it. and then you just you you let yeah. that out. Um, I'm sure Timothy Chalamet is listening, and he's so bummed out. But um, I was watching on a plane, and I couldn't make it. That's fair. Uh, so not saving Private Ryan this time. Um, 
so at the end of the movie, you know, they obviously he's not dating Army Hammer's character anymore. He and I was just curious. I was like, all right, just thinking about real life when your friends have maybe ended relationships or you've ended relationships, like who do they move on to? Is it going to be like a rebound you don't expect? Is it going to be someone that's exactly like Army Hammer and all of your friends are going to be like, they're dating the same person? Or is it going to be someone out of left field? So it's a long-winded way to say that's what these are based off of. Okay. So I've got three for you. The first one uh, is if you want a uh, another puzzle-heavy, charming game that's a little, it's a lot more challenging, more for for adults. Uh, I'll recommend to you a game called <laughs> Professor Layton and the Curious Village, which is a game I just uh, played for the first time. It's truly just. A, a really charming, wonderful puzzle game where okay. it's on the it's on um, a Nintendo DS, so like a console like this. Okay. Um, and uh, I could actually truly let you borrow it anytime you want. It's just does it work on Switch? It it's not on Switch, but there is a Professor Layton game on Switch. Okay. Um, but it's basically there's no fighting, there's no like quick action. It's literally just you solving like logic puzzles. Okay. Uh, and it's a delight. The second, Uh it's it's great. The second recommendation that I have for you is Mm -hmm. if you would like a modern point and click adventure, also done by uh, director Ron Gilbert, uh, you should check out Thimbleweed Park. Uh, And this is actually a game you can get on Switch. So if you'd like to see you know a more modern game by him, also made for for adults, you can check that one out. And lastly, is if the thing you love most about this game, the thing you gotta have, Anna, is another uh-huh. stellar voice actor with just a, 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 a an astounding career. Um, I'll recommend to you Spyro Reignited Trilogy. Do you know the Spyro games, the little purple dragon guy? Yeah, yeah. Um, because Elijah Wood voices Spyro, so that's my final recommendation Whoa. for you. Yeah. Okay. So if you gotta have, you know, a little bit of Hollywood actor in your game, uh. That would be it for you. I think I do need that because Pamela Adlon was starting me off. So clearly I need more Hollywood actors. Of course. Of course. And, you know, I figured that's why I had that suggested for you. Um, That'll do it for the game recommendation segment. And that will bring us to the end of the show. Um, So before we go, and of course, I'll have you plug, you know, anything you'd like to plug again. Um, and remind me of, and I'll include it in the show notes. Thanks so much for coming on. It's been oh, a lot of fun to talk to you about this, this game. Such a pleasure, so fun to talk about. I mean, this has just reignited my interest in playing my childhood computer games. Awesome. That's something I did last year in quarantine. So even though it's a year later, I, you'll definitely get a lot out of it. I yeah. think, at least nostalgia. Um, so Anna, uh, what would you like to plug? What do you want people to check out? You know, when they're after they're done listening to this episode, uh, you can check out my. Uh, webcomic on Instagram. I'm also Bad Comics Bon on Twitter. And then uh, check out Flatbush Misdemeanors on Showtime. Um, Hell yeah. I feel like they have a free trial. And, and if you like it, tweet about it. And then I can go back and write on season two. Hell yeah. That's, that's awesome. Well, thank you so much for coming on. I'm going to uh, close this out with some plugs of my own. Uh, the cover art for Call Me By Your Game is, of course, done by Glenn J. You can find him and his other great work on Instagram at at glenn.j. That's two N's and then dot J-A-Y. Of course, as you already know, you should check us out on Patreon. 
patreon.com slash super NPC radio, where we have truly so much incredible content for you, including the monthly call me by your game co-op episodes at the $10 DJ toad tier. We just released, we're going to be releasing the uh, Wii sports episode. It might actually be already be out. We've got more fun coming for you later. The show is produced by Jeremy Schmidt. You should check out his show, video games, a comedy show, which also uh, streams uh, almost every week on Friday nights on my Twitch channel, twitch.tv slash cons is cool 69. There will be a link for that in the show notes. And you can follow me on social media as well at Connor underscore McCabe. That'll do it for this episode of call me by your game. We'll see you on the next one.